The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After two days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat. But here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced, and kissed him. His father said to him, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because my, the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of his servants and asked what this might mean. 
The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safely and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I have served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to all those who are here for their very first time ever or just visiting or passing through. Welcome to you. And also welcome to all those who have been here for many, many years that are here and very much have found St. Gabriel's Catholic Church to be their home. It's the home for all of us. And I have to make a confession at the, at the beginning of this, this homily. And the confession is this, that uh, I had an option, short form, or long form of the gospel, and I chose a long one. And the reason why I chose the long one is because it's good news. It's packed full of a message of mercy. This is a day where many of us, depending on whether you had friends or family or different people, in New York City at the time when the Twin Towers fell, 9-11, you don't forget about that. I know I have friends of mine here who I went to Belmont Abbey College with, and one of our friends, Jimmy Ritchies, was a fireman who was going up while others were going down. And he was a father with children and everything, and he made the ultimate sacrifice. So it's a day where we turn our hearts in those moments compassionately towards those loved ones of those who have fallen, who are still recalling that tragedy in their life. And what gets us through those moments is clinging to God's mercy. Not only for ourselves, but for everyone involved. The Holy Spirit put it in my heart to mention this to y'all. And, you know, maybe it's just getting a little more, little too vulnerable as a pastor. Or a little too familiar, or a little too open in my sharing. But I'm going to do it anyways, because us priests, we're, we have hearts too, we're we're broken too, and we have family lives too. And so this 9-11 is also a day where my parents are grieving and my siblings are grieving. Because eight years ago, my beloved brother, who was the one that we all looked to as a model and everything, who loved his wife and loved his family, was a doctor who was getting sued for his practice, which after his passing, a year and a half later, we all found out as a family that it was a fabricated lie. 
and I'm not going to go into details. We have little ears here. But my brother took his life. That changed my priesthood. It changed my priesthood because I, I thought about, why couldn't I have run and been there? Why couldn't I have done something? Why couldn't I do Well, I sent a text the day before because my cousin is also a priest, and we were on a retreat. And I sent it to all my siblings, saying, we're praying for you, we love you, to all of them. But he never opened it. We found that out later. But I don't know if that could have done it with the spiral that he was in. Why do I mention that? I mention, I mention that to, 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 to make myself vulnerable before you, my family, to say that we all need God's mercy. And he's the merciful one. And he's the one who says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So we cast ourselves in moments that are challenging in our life where things even seem like I can't forgive this person. The first thing I wanted to do was put on my nice dress shoes and my nice suit and to go see that lawyer. Not to wag my finger, but to say I'm worried about your salvation. Your Facebook says that you're at this church and you're running your youth group and you're doing all this. But I don't know his situation and maybe his upbringing and his family life, peace came through forgiveness and mercy. To look to Jesus. This Sunday, the reason why I thought it would be good for all of us to reflect on the long form is this. If you ever doubt God's mercy... Obviously, I've said this before, if you find yourself at a beach, grab a whole handful of sand, cast it into the ocean, count to ten, then I want you to dive in and grab every grain of sand that went in there. Good luck. God's mercy is more vast than any of the oceans, all the oceans combined, and deeper than their depths. We have no clue about the mercy of God. We can only witness it when we contemplate his speaking through us, to us through his living word as a window into his sacred heart, into the sacred heart of Jesus. The gospels tell us that. So if you ever doubt God's mercy, please go to him. Open up his good news and read Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through whatever it goes, 30-something. The prodigal son, the whole thing. I remember being at the beach once, and I was a, I'm getting really distracted right now, and I apologize. But I was at the beach as a seminarian, and I wanted to do my prayers, and I went out by the beach, and I, I sat in a little fold-out chair early in the morning and took my flip-flops off, and I stuck my beach in the sand, and I was praying my breviary. I was playing, praying scripture. And my mom told me later in life that she was there on the porch, the balcony at the, at the hotel with my brother, who went to one of the top Catholic colleges in the United States. I'm not going to mention which one, okay? They played football the other day. But I'm not going to mention it, right? I'm not going to mention it. But he went there, and you can't blame there, but my dad knew who was teaching him, and he left the faith. But he was there with my mom looking out and says, what is Richard doing, Mom? And she said, he's reading the Word of God. 
I don't know, maybe it would have changed my brother's life. I don't know, there's a lot of biological and challenges that go on. Where, but maybe if he would have re- read Luke 15. Maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. He was struggling. There were things going on. You can't, you try to, what if, what if, but you can't. But Luke 15 is a chapter of mercy. So for the gospel today, I want to focus on all of us to reflect on the four characters. The four characters. The first, everything goes, it's called the gospel of the prodigal, the story, the parable of the prodigal son. Many have called it the parable of the merciful father because the father's at the center and it's about the mercy of the father. I love that. The parable of the merciful father, not the prodigal son. But you see the prodigal son, the prodigal son went to his dad and said, Dad, Basically what he said to him in the time of Jesus was, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I get everything I got, I get my things, and I can go live as I wish. And he went off to that foreign land, which is that land of sin. That land of far away from God. And it would have meant something to the Pharisees and the tax collectors or the sinners who Jesus ate with. Because Jesus was not all about serving the saved. He was about seeking the lost. And so he went to show those who were saved, who thought themselves as saved because they were following all the rules and praying all the prayers properly. He went to show them, no, 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 no. This is God's mercy. Seek out the lost. And he's telling this parable. And so the prodigal son being off in that foreign land and being reduced to eating the husk of the corns that pigs ate would have been extremely insulting. Because they didn't eat pork. But the prodigal son in that beautiful psalm that we sang, I will rise, I will rise, I will rise and go to my father. Go to my father. So he came to his senses. That's where it began. And he started his journey back. Let's take a look in our mind's eye. Let's look at the father. What does the father do? Jesus is describing the father. He's trying to describe his heavenly father. He says to Thomas at the last, at the moment of the resurrection, or the the last supper where Thomas says, Thomas says, hey, show us the father and that'll be enough. And he says, have you been with me this long, Thomas? Do you not know anybody who sees me sees the Father? So he's trying to tell him about God the Father. And what does the Father do when he sees his son coming back? He runs to him. Even today in the Middle East, you don't run as a man and an adult. You don't run. That is a sign of losing your dignity. They didn't run back then. You gracefully And with composure, you walk because you haven't under... To run would have been ridiculous for adults to run after a child. You don't... Children run. Adults don't run. So the father's like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going after this, my son. The older son had been working there with the father all that time, close to the father, following all the rules in the pew every Sunday doing all he was asked to do, praying his prayers, doing everything. And then all of a sudden, this one comes walking in, shows up and comes back after wasting all that. 
So the father had to go out and meet him. But here's the bottom line for you and me this Sunday. This is the line. This is the take home. This is the bottom line. This is the thing for us to take to heart. You and me, all of us. It's this. The servant gets it. The servant gets it. Please put that slide up if you would. Help me. The servant gets it. Put it up there so visually we can get it, audially we can get it. The servant gets it. Jesus Christ in Isaiah was described as the suffering servant. He's talking to the two parties. He's stepping in and going after the lost. And he's saying indirectly as if it's a mirror Everybody reflecting on their lives because parables are like mirrors. We read them, and if we read them right, we're going to see a reflection of ourselves in them. And Jesus is saying, I've left the Father's house, rich beyond measure, and have become poor so that in your poverty you may become rich. But I want you both. I want you all. And I want you to seek out the lost as I have. To never be satisfied in your journey, whether you're a Pharisee or a scribe or you're lost. To know that I want you all and I'm going to leave the 99 righteous and go after the ones that's lost. And if you're not going to follow me, then you're not with me. Because we can't be complacent and just sit there. Jesus, the servant, the suffering servant, Got it, had it, and he invites his followers to get it. Please permit me to tell one last final story. And it's one that impacted me on this. It was a story of a priest in Rome, Italy, who was working in the Vatican at the time of St. John Paul II. And he came out after a long day's work in the Vatican doing his menial work for bishops and cardinals, and he's walking back to his apartment, and he runs into a homeless person who's asking him for food. And instead of just giving him something, he says, let's go out to eat. Takes him out to eat, sits down, is having a meal with this person. Then he says, tell me your story. So the person starts to tell the priest the story, and he basically looked at him and said, I am a priest like you. I am a priest like you. This is what happened in my life. The priest said to him, I can get you a place to stay. I know some sisters around the corner. I'm going to get you in their convent. Just go there. You can clean up. Just put on regular clothes. Don't worry about putting anything. Just put on your regular clothes and meet me at the obelisk in the middle of St. Peter's Square tomorrow morning, if you would please, at 7 a.m. And he said, okay. The priest shows up the next morning at 7 a.m., the person who was homeless, who's also a priest, shows up at 7 a.m. They meet. They go into the Vatican. They go through one hall and another hall, another double door, another double door, and they ride, arrive to a big, huge banquet hall with all the glorious artwork and everything, and they're standing there on the marble floor. Then all of a sudden, both doors pop open with the Swiss guards. And Pope John Paul II comes walking out. And he comes up to the priest who had been homeless. 
and said, would you like to talk? And the priest that was in amazement said, sure. They go into a side room. Five minutes go by. The other priest is pacing outside. What's going on there? Ten minutes go by. He's still pacing. He's the only one there looking at the Swiss guards. What's going on there? Fifteen minutes go by, and then finally John Paul II comes busting out of the door with a big smile on his face, followed by the other priest with a smile on his face, as if he was transformed by the mercy of God. So the other priest who brought the homeless priest there said to him, what happened? And he said, it was amazing. I just went in there and he was such a father. He was such a merciful father. He sat there and asked my story and he listened. And then after I knew that, I knew that he loved me. I knew that he cared for me. I asked him, I said, holy father, can I go to confession? Can I go to confession? And the Pope said to me, yes, on one condition. You can go to confession on one condition. And the priest said, whatever. I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to get back to the embrace of the Father. The Pope said, here's the condition. That you hear my confession first. That you hear my confession first. John Paul II, St. John Paul II confessed first to this priest to instill the belief in that God works through his broken instruments to bring forth his mercy. And then he heard his confession. Another title for the Pope is the servant of the servants of God. The servant gets it. I don't know your world, but imagine your world, workplace, school, home, neighborhood, community. If our hearts burned, yearned for the lost, if our lives were a reflection of being sent by the Holy Spirit, sent to invite others, others to experience what we have experienced. God's mercy. We too, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, he says, I don't call you my servants, I call you my friends. But we are servants, serving our heavenly Father modeling Jesus Christ, the greatest of all servants. The servant gets it.